Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. Uh, this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, we are continuing on with a sermon series called One on One, where we're taking a look at stories in the Bible where people encountered God one-on-one in this in these meaningful uh, and intentional ways. And then we're re- taking a moment to reflect on what those stories mean for us. Ways that God meets us one-on-one. And then how we turn to those around us with the same love, care, and compassion that God has shown us. And how does that change the way that we live in the world around us? Hey, it's Father's Day. Uh, and so happy Father's Day to you. Wherever you are, you might be celebrating uh, your own father. You might be celebrating the fact that maybe you are a father or maybe you are uh, near some other people who are fathers and celebrating what that means for them. There are so many ways to celebrate Father's Day. Hey, as a way of kind of getting going, uh, I want to show a trailer for a film called Dads. And uh, I, I've not seen the, fil- the film itself, but I've looked at this trailer several times. I think it'll be a little weepy every time because I think it really touches on the journey of dads. And so uh, as we begin this morning, uh, take a look at this. My wife told me that she was pregnant. I remember thinking, wow, it worked. <laughs> We're pregnant. Apparently you're one. I am one. I want to know more about what it takes to be a father and celebrate all the great dads out there. (laughs) Oh my God. Being the father, it's a very fluid thing. It's love at first sight, like for real, for real. I'm not Jimmy Fallon anymore. I'm Winnie's dad. Now, this dude lives here forever. Wipe my butt. I could fall asleep right now from sleep deprivation. You don't have to make our family perfect. Just make it wonderful. You get the tiniest window, and then it's gone. So revel hard. Go, 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 go! You're only as happy as your family, so you're very vulnerable. When you're expecting a child, you're never prepared for the what-ifs. He had two holes in his heart. I'm forever going to be his protector. I love you all of my big heart. Oh, you do? I felt like an imposter, but I'm the man in their life, so I have to be excellent. One thing that I learned is that you need to trust your instincts. We know how to do this. We went from no kids to four kids in six months. I literally won the lottery. Dad, I remember you were worried that you'd never be as good a dad as your own father. <laughs> he was great. That's been absolutely my worry. If you could be a good dad, that is a blessing that you could pass on. Is this normal? No. We had a thousand page manual for a television, and they sent you home with a baby and nothing. It gets really intense in teenage years. <laughs> Your body is changing. Oh my God, Dad! Ah! 
Having a kid is the meaning of life. This is my purpose now. You are the center of that child's world. Your dad. What is a father? Who knows? If I'm the expert, this whole project is in terrible trouble. Super good, eh? What a beautiful picture of what it is to be a dad. All the ups and downs of it. We need, as a dad, I, I just know we need all the help we can get uh, to learn what it is to be a good dad. So I'm going to open with prayer as we dig into the scripture together this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can call you Heavenly Father. Thank you that even Jesus taught us to pray to our Father in heaven. Lord, you are close to us. You love us. And thank you for being our Father. For running to us, for catching us, for rescuing us, for putting your life and love in us so that we can adventure out into this world knowing that you have a way for us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you also speak truth into our lives. Or this morning, as we explore the lies that sometimes creep in, Lord, we ask that you would give us clarity, that you would remind us and may your Holy Spirit come and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, the whole story of God in the Bible uh, opens up with this God who made all things, and he said, it is good. This is his like first and most substantial pronouncement that he makes over creation. It is good. This is good. Look at the things God has made, and it is good. The air you're breathing right now is good. The heartbeat in your chest, good. It's very good, in fact. And it's and it's all going well when God makes everything, and then, bam, the story goes off the rails. In Genesis 3, things, things are not going as they should. And it's not always just from an apple that was taken from this tree that they shouldn't be taking, but it actually began with a liar and a lie. Our uh, sermon this morning uh in this one-on-one -on -one theme is talking about lies and talking about a lie that came into the story of Adam and Eve and then a lie that later is addressed by Jesus. And it's all resolved in a good, good father who speaks truth and creates a world where we can live in truth and relationship with him. So we're going to go on a journey. But first, let's take a look at that original story of Adam and Eve and this lie and this liar that comes into the story. And I think it'll really uh, bring us to a point of appreciation where we see the way that the father interacts. It goes like this. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Well, of course we may eat the fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it, and if you do, you will die. Oh, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Well, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And, and at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they were suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. 
So they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. The Lord God uh, called to the man, Where are you? What an interesting story. The Bible could have started with a lot of different stories about what some of these early engagements and relationships were between Adam and Eve and God and, and how this unfolds. But the story uh, starts with a lie about God. God, you see, he made everything. He said it's good. And they were off to the races. And then we're introduced to this lie. A lie that sets God's first beloved children, Adam and Eve, who he made and loved and said is good and, and is excited about all that's going to happen. And this lie um, sets them on a journey to believe other lies about themselves, about each other, and about God. A lie that leads to hiding, it leads to shame, and it leads to great sorrow. You see, we were born in truth, but we encounter lies about ourself, our worth, our identity from a very young age. First, the lies come from outside of us, don't they? Uh, lies that say that we are not beloved, that we're not as good as God says that we are. And then we join with these lies throughout our life. And our song is, our song of lies is added to it. And we begin to lie to ourselves too. We believe the lie and then we repeat the lie to ourselves. And then when we start to tell ourselves lies, ourselves these lies, then we begin to believe them even more. Lies, I don't know if you've experienced this, but lies, lies are insidious. They can take root in us and grow and produce even more lies. We can take them to bed at night and we can dream about them throughout the night and then we wake up with them in the morning again and they drive us into our day. We would rather sometimes have a conversation with the lies that we keep telling ourselves than have a conversation with God who makes us and knows the truth about us. This is maybe why the Bible starts with lies and the liar right at the beginning. It's here that the Bible gets to the heart of the matter. Lies. But it's even more than lies. It is this liar himself. We're introduced to this liar. We encounter this snake, this, this liar, this manipulator. Uh, he's called in the Bible the Satan. We often use the word Satan as though it's his name, but it's actually kind of who he is. It, he is the Satan. And the Satan means the accuser. We encounter the accuser. This is the fundamental identity of the Satan, this liar and accuser. You see, 90%, I think, of the work that Satan does is through uh, just offering lies. You are not this. You are not enough, or you don't have enough, so why don't you go out and buy some more things? You are unlovable, so you better do some things to make yourself worthy of affection. You must fight to be right. So put some others down, step on anyone you can. The accuser, he sets us apart from God. The accuser tells us lies that make sure that we are always at a distance from God, that we pack ourselves with things and ideas and lies that hopefully just keep us a little bit far enough from God so we don't encounter the truth of who we are and whose we are. 
The accuser sets us up away from God. Made to believe that we fight alone, we are alone, and we cannot be good in the way that God calls us good. Our lives become a struggle apart from God, and the lie takes hold and becomes the voice in our head, and somehow, eventually, we can't tell the difference between the sound of the lies that we tell ourselves and the lies that the accuser plants in us. So, skip forward. Matthew chapter 4. If in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve encounter the Satan, who is the one who is accusing and seeds a lie in them that they are convinced of. Here we enter in Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. And this is his story. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you're the Son of God, jump off, for scripture says he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, accuser, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Fascinating story, eh? In a very similar way, Jesus, who's called the second Adam, comes and he also encounters this devil, who he knows who he is. He says, you are the accuser. You are the one that seeds lies into us. So we turn our hearts away from the Father who loves us. And so every time Satan comes to him with, even using scripture, <laughs> twisting God's words as he even twisted God's words to Adam and Eve, and he twists it. And presents it as a lie, a falsehood, and an accusation towards Jesus. And Jesus knows. And he says, get away from me. You don't know. You don't even understand what scripture is about. You don't understand the truth of God. Get away. There's this amazing uh, picture. This devil, this Satan. And this accuser is standing over Jesus and pointing to all the things that would otherwise tempt him away. Jesus is, of course, turned towards the Father. He knows where life and truth and goodness are found. He isn't going to go that direction. You see, 1 John 2.16 really captures this grand temptation that has affected all of us. This, this lie that gets into us. It goes like this. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see. And pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from the world. John captures it good, does, doesn't he? Craving for physical pleasure, craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. Aren't those exactly the uh, temptations that were offered to Jesus? You see, Satan knows where our weak spots are, and knows how to slide in a lie. 
to accuse and to tempt and to distort what is true so that we might turn away from the Father. Eugene Peterson, uh, he says this. He says, American culture is probably the least Christian culture that we've ever had because it's so materialistic and full of lies. The whole advertising world is just, it's just intertwined with lies, appealing to the worst of the instincts we have. I think Eugene Peterson's right here. He's, he's an American and he's speaking to his own culture where he says, everywhere we turn, there are lies. Pointing, like 1 John 2, 6, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. We get a clue in the life of Jesus as to how he deals with the accuser and deals with the lies that come between him and his Father. Clues that change us and the lies that we even carry. The lies that we tell ourselves when we wake up in the morning or go to bed at night. And the first clue is in really Jesus' identity. Jesus, this is interesting, Jesus was the most dependent human that ever lived. This is interesting. Jesus was the most dependent human that ever lived. He wasn't independent, but he said over and over how everything he did was because of his father. That he didn't do anything without his father. That everything he got came from his father. He was always referring back to his father as the one who was the source of everything that he was doing. It was the father. That he could do nothing on his own apart from him. So he was so dependent on him. And he was open about that. How different is that from maybe us today who really talk about our great independence? Whenever something good happens, we say, yes, it's because of something I did. <laughs> right? We are so independent. And Jesus shows us a model of dependence. Jesus then tells his followers, you should be dependent too. He tells his followers to do the same. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing, he tells them. He gives up his secret to his friends and he lets them in on the secret and says, do you want an amazing life? Come and depend. Come and turn to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, he is the one who is so dependent on the Father. And he says, come, I'll show you how. Come on a journey with me of dependence on the Father. He gives up his secret, utter dependence, in this one-on-one -on -one relationship with his Father. Not working up willpower, not having some sort of special spiritual enthusiasm, not some magic trick, but he's saying, turning in prayer to the Father, he gets what he needs. He says, if you ask anything of the Father, you get it. When you're in a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a Father who loves you, he says, if, if you ask for bread from the Father, is he going to give you a snake? No, that's not what a good Father does. So Jesus is always referencing his Father because guess what? He solely depends on his Father. Jesus does this first and we can too. And he does it in a life of prayer. He turns over and over to his father. Again, Eugene Peterson says this. He says, The silence that makes it possible to hear God also makes it possible for us to hear the world's words for what they are. Tiny and unconvincing lies. I'm going to say that again. The silence that makes it possible to hear God speak also makes it possible for us to hear the world's words for what they really are. Tiny and unconvincing lies. 
the lies that you got to get more of this or accomplish this or achieve this or or put on this mask so that the world will like you in a certain way suddenly those look so petty in silence with the father we begin to hear the lies of the world for what they are adam and eve had a lie that made them isolated and independent from god notice how the lies that they began to absorb and speak to each other it removed them from god that to make their own future and rely on their own strength and we know how that story goes but jesus knew the truth that he is close to and dependent on the father his future is with the father and relies on the father's strength did you know as followers of jesus we have this great hope that we're going to spend eternity somehow in some beautiful way with our father and that we don't begin to learn to depend on the father once we are in heaven but that our dependence on the father begins now heaven in this sense begins today we begin to live a life in god's kingdom here and now and that begins with this other dependence on a father who loves us this is good news lies are combated only in this way they are combated by relationship lies are combated by relationship this is the strongest form of truth this is why a mother and a father hold their child so close a child learns to navigate the world by being close to their parents they aren't shipped off and away on their first day to be alone in the wilderness to figure out how to have a mortgage and other relationships no they're held close for years and years and years so that they can absorb the way of their parents as imperfect as they might be so that they can prepare to go into the world all the more we as followers of jesus we are called to draw close and abide in christ so that we for a long time begin to know the heartbeat and ways and language of a god who loves us as his children so that when the lies come to us we go no that is that's not true when the lies came to jesus he's like no you have no idea who the father is that's not the way god works and he could combat the lies in his life you see the accuser has no grounds for his accusations when we are with the father and rooted in god who made us the father he catches the lies and he speaks truth to us again when those lies come guess what we catch them but we catch them because we have a father who catches them and says that's not true you're beautiful i love you i made you just as i want you to be you can know me you can enter into this world with courage and love and grace and truth your life can be a life that grows with the fruit of the spirit of love joy peace patience kindness you can love your neighbors in a world that says you should be afraid of them you can love people who are different than you you can belong you are beloved and you're part of my family and i've made you part of my family and if you believe that's true guess what you get to be part of my family forever these are the truths of a father who loves us and the bible's full of them and god's spirit whispers them to you so friends may we not listen to the voice of the accuser to the voice of the satan who wants to seed lies into us but may we combat lies with relationship with a father who loves us and calls us his own friends may the lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Because it's in his face, in his eyes, that we find freedom from the lies. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace today. Happy Father's Day. You have a father.